welcome to the Navit Gaming Podcast, where it is our mission to explore the business and future of video games. We bring together the industry's brightest builders, investors, and thinkers to keep a pulse on current events, dissect emerging trends and games, share lessons learned, and have a great time. This podcast is also part of Novik's growing ecosystem, which ranges from free and premium research to consulting and advisory services. For more information, visit www.novik.co. This episode is brought to you by Overwolf. With over 1,500 games supported, 165,000 creators, and 38 million monthly active users, Overwolf is the guild for in-game creators. Whether you're a gamer, creator, or game studio, Overwolf is the ultimate destination for integrating UGC in games. For game studios, Overwolf offers CurseForge for Studios, a white label solution that lets game makers and publishers easily integrate mods safely and seamlessly into their games, both existing and new, at zero cost. It's battle-tested by AAA studios and games, including Maxis with The Sims 4, Studio Wildcard with Ark, Take-Two Interactive, and others. For creators, Overwolf is the all-in-one platform that enables creators to build, distribute, and monetize in-game apps, mods, and game servers. In 2022, Overwolf paid over $160 million to in-game creators, proving that they truly value the talents and contributions of the gaming community. You can check out everything Overwolf has to offer at overwolf.com or check out the details in the show notes. And with that, let's jump into the episode. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Nava Gaming Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Alexandra Takei, and this is the Interview and Insight segment. Today, we're talking about shooters, often synonymous with the phrase Red Ocean for the investing market. And today, we'll discuss the market, the platforms, the subgenres, the business models, the mechanics, and we're trying to figure out how red really is it. Um, are there any pockets of untapped territory across subgenres, demographics, geographies, platforms, or economic innovation? We'll be addressing PC and console and mobile today, which is a lot of information to cover, as the genre actually holds meaningfully different footholds in mobile and PC and console. According to research done by us at Novik, the shooter genre is 5% of mobile downloads in 2022-2023 and around 6% of global mobile revenues. And compare this with the shooter genre holding the number one spot in terms of monthly active engagement on Steam, number four on console, and is consistently in the top five games for streaming engagement on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook gaming, and the like. As someone who is very proud to have worked on arguably one of the greatest shooters of our modern era, Overwatch, and currently lucky to be working alongside some legendary Borderlands devs, this is an episode I am absolutely excited to host. All right. But as always, it's not just me in the studio. So who are my fabulous guests today? Well, the first representing the mobile shooter market is Robbie John, CEO and co-founder of Super Gaming, a studio based in Southeast Asia that's building a battle royale called Indus. Believe that you guys just closed a round led by Bandai Namco, but Robbie will elaborate. You can currently check out their closed online beta. Um, and I'll drop some links to the in the show notes below. But welcome to the pod, Robbie. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Welcome. Hi, everybody. Sweet. And my second guest representing the PC shooter market is Nikolai Nyholm, CEO and co-founder of Scattershot based out of Helsinki. Scattershot is backed by our good friends at Play, and I believe it's fairly early in development, but welcome to the pod, Nikolai. Hi, Alex, and uh, hi from Copenhagen, but uh, I do spend time in Helsinki as well. Oh, okay. I messed no, up. We're... Sorry, all the Nordic blends together. <laughs> we're just one big, happy family. 
That's actually true. You guys are one big happy family, uh, which is nice. Um, okay, so let's get started because there's a ton to cover here. Um, and before we kick off, I'd love to do some formal intros. So tell me about your gaming background, how you came to found your company, where your studio is in the development phase. So like how many people, when are you shipping or fundraising status, if that's relevant. Um, and also as a fun fact, you have to share your favorite gun because this is a shooter podcast and it can be from any game. Gun in a game, not gun in the real world. I don't know anything about guns in the real world. So, <laughs> so um, I've, got, uh, I've got two in my like background. To go first. Yeah, I've got two guns in my background. So all 3D printed, not real ones. Uh, ah, okay. My, my name is Ravi. I'm the founder and CEO of Super Gaming. Uh, I became a mobile games developer when I officially was the first iPhone developer out of India in 2008. Uh, and I've been making mobile games since 2008. Uh, my studio, Super Gaming, we started in 2019 to, to focus and specialize on building mobile shooters. Uh, our last mobile shooter was played by about 75 million people called Mask Gun. Uh, and we're now building this exciting game called Indus that I'd love to kind of talk about during the show. Uh, we have 150 people. We've grown our studio uh, to about 150 people today. Uh, my favorite guns, uh, I've always kind of like two kinds of guns. I've, liked, I've loved a sniper. Uh, so the op in CSGO, the classic op, has kind of been my favorite. And you'll see my sniper back there as well. Uh, nice. But I also love a new weapon that we actually have inside of Indus. It's called the Yaksha. Uh, it's actually a hybrid weapon. Uh, in hipfire, it's a shotgun. But when you go into ADS, it becomes a sniper. Uh, so that's kind of a dual weapon that we've actually built. And I've enjoyed playing it with, with it the most. That's very awesome. Very cool. Oh, yeah. And I'm super excited. You probably have a very, like large reservoir of like uh, ancient Indian military like inspiration to draw from, which is Good. probably very Good. cool. Um, all right, Nikolai. Yeah. So um, I went from being uh, a tech entrepreneur, always been avid gamer um, to my, that my first exposure really to, to, to gaming business was as a, as a VC. Uh, this was 2010. Nobody was really, uh, I was a GP at an early stage Nordic fund. Nobody was investing into games here. Um, and I did a, a, a series of, I was involved in a series of different companies like Mojang uh, with Minecraft, um, uh, seriously up in Helsinki. Um, and so actually both on the, on the PC and, and, uh, and, uh, and mobile uh, side. And then in 2016, I left um, to found uh, an esports vertical uh, esports uh, company, which had both teams in the bottom, tournaments on on top, and a, and a media product. And that ultimately led me um, to in let's see, 2022, late 21, early 22, to found Scattershot. Um, we're 15 people uh, working uh, on a competitive shooter. Uh, it's still early, but we uh, we were having uh, pros play around with it. Um, and as you mentioned, we uh, we raised a pre-seed round from uh, Play Ventures uh, of uh, two million US uh, about a year and a and a half ago. So uh, so yeah, hoping to uh, to get to some early playtest weekends uh, this uh, this coming spring with uh, with more uh, public uh, people. Yeah. And your favorite gun? My favorite gun is the Deagle. Um, it's uh, it's always been the one, you know. I, I guess in in parts because I haven't been great at uh, at spray pattern control. Uh, so so there, I always know I'm I'm a little bit more level with uh, with the rest. I uh, you know I, I played started playing um, CS back in in '99 when uh, Min Lee Guzman 
uh, first uh, first did the mod on on um, on top of Half Life, and and I've I've stayed with it. It's also been the it's always been my my go to game. It's also the game uh, that I, I I focused on within esports. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna throw a quick pivot in here. You guys just both put in competitive shooters like as your favorite guns basically i'm gonna say ebony and ivory from devil may cry uh because those guns got a lot of personality or squall's gunblade from final fantasy uh so not competitive shooting guns just literally rpg like narrative based (laughs) but they're uh they're kind of fun i've always thought that they did a bunch of there's a lot of like creativity and like soul in those um but i love i love this because you guys are one two different platforms, uh, mobile and PC, and also two different phases of development. So, um, you know, one of you guys is actually like relatively scaled up and the other is, you know, just beginning beginning their journey. So there's such a depth of experience here and this is going to be really, really awesome. So before we start talking about what you're building at your own specific studios in more detail, I'd love to have like a little bit of a broader, I'm going to give a bit of a broader overtake of the shooter market currently. So... The Juggernaut of Counter-Strike 2 just came out, um, apparently raking in the big bucks from opening those container things on Steam. Um, And COD is releasing Warzone Mobile, um, Warzone on mobile. Valorant, Rainbow Six, and The Division will be coming to mobile. Farlight 84 by Lilith launched um, in the past couple of months to sort of modest success. We've also watched games like Apex Mobile and Battlefield Mobile get canceled, as well as a litany of PC and console shooting shooter rescopings, 1047 Splitgate, ending feature development, for example. And very recently, actually, like last week, um, Creative Assembly's uh, shooter Hyenas uh, got canceled by Sega. Um, and meanwhile, in the background, you've got the big guys at Bungie just going to town on Destiny 2 and rebooting the Marathon series, which I actually personally admit looks like mucho, mucho, mucho exciting. Um, and all of the friends at Respawn, Epic, Riot, Treyarch, IW, Valve, Tencent also going to town on current incumbents. And in the literature world, we actually had a nice biopic of history released by John Romero, um, aka the Doom Guy. Um, I haven't read the book myself, but it's, it seems awesome. The TLDR is that everyone should get that it's a very active, fast-moving space, and it's competitive. Um, and on mobile, that's generally facing headwinds overall. Mobile shooters are seeing that competitiveness and falling revenues. Highs of like 300 million monthlies back in January of 2023 have fallen to like the 200s in the past couple of months. And all the while, there's also like 35 million pre-registrations for COD, Warzone Mobile. So this is kind of a bit of the lay of the land before we dive in. Now I'll go back to you guys. Um, before we start talking about those markets, um, could each of you guys give me a brief overview of the kind of shooter that you are building? Um, and after we give you, you give your overview, we'll just do some like hot seat rapid fire questions about the game. So like just one word answers. Um, Robbie, I'd love if we could uh, we could start with you. Sure. Uh, we're building Indus, Indus is an Indo-Futuristic Battle Royale. Uh, we looked at games and we thought that, you know, there's no Indian art and culture represented in games. And we wanted to represent it in what is probably the eSport of India, which is Battle Royale. Uh, that's really where we chose to kind of build a Indian-made shooter. Uh, that's been, you know, 350 million people play a shooter in India. Uh, and we think that that's the market that we're going after. Uh, what we're different about is uh, we spent the last two years on the road meeting players, understanding what they like about our game, uh, what they like about playing those various shooters that are already in the market. You know, that's three big shooters. Uh, and we learned from them uh, and we incorporated all of that in our game uh, while doing this public playtest. Mm, got it. Okay. So Battle Royale, India mythology and IP. All right. So one word answers to these questions. PVP or PVE? Uh, PVP. PVP. 
flat or hero based? So like, are all the uh, characters the same or do they have all different abilities? Hybrid. Hybrid. Team based or single player? Team based. Squad size? Three. What First or third so person? Sorry, what? Uh, four players. So one four. plus three. So. Okay. Uh, first or third person or isometric? Um, both. First and third person. FPS and, and third. DP. Okay. Um, what would you call your subgenre description of shooters? Battle Royale? Uh, still classic Battle Royale, yeah. Yep. Uh, art style. Okay, we already know that one. Um, uh, but in the mythology. Yeah. In the futuristic. Okay. Downtime or no? Uh, no downtime. Engine. Uh, custom engine. Custom. Uh, platform, as you said, is mobile. mobile. And then for you guys, approximate like TTK tightness. So like um, fast being like Valorant and then slow being like Overwatch. Where are you? Uh, somewhere between the two. Faster, right. faster, than, faster than PUBG, uh, slower than others. Okay, got it. All right, cool. Um, and then... Nikolai, why don't you take that same same framework there, and then we'll dive into talking about um, the markets. Yeah, so I mean, I think I think the, the the generation that we're really looking to address is the big generation of players who came in through the PC battle royales, um, the PUBGs, the the Fortnites, the Apexes, and who now want to uh, you know move on to something more competitive. Um, so it is a competitive shooter, tactical shooter. Um, we've been extremely focused, of course, at, at the, up until this point in getting all of the mechanics right, the movement, the gunplay, uh, uh, all of such. And now we're starting to add um, a couple of components which we think are um, core to to really uh, addressing the battle royale generation, which is you know the the zero downtime. Uh, um, competitive shooter uh, that you're not spending most of your time being dead, which is what happens uh, to you as a as a novice um, player stepping into both Valorant or or Counter Strike. Um, on top of that, um, given my history of what was it five six years in uh, in esports, uh, extremely focused on bringing on board. Uh, the streamers in the community very early. So we're br- we're building in functionality which allows uh, the streamers to uh, to build their communities and monetize their communities directly uh, in game. To build up the tribes to f- get this uh, to get this feeling of of, uh, of community and belonging uh, going directly in the game, rather than having to sort of uh, uh, push that out onto to a platform uh, like Twitch. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's uh, that's that's really the the, the core of it. Uh, so uh, very focused on uh, zero downtime and and uh, and the and the community aspect, where we've also signed uh, four of the biggest non-English, non-speak, non-Chinese speaking uh, streamers. Awesome. Um, okay. And so then, if uh, when you die, what happens then? If there's if you're not downtime well so so there's a couple of uh we have a couple of things one is is actually that you can replay the last five to seven seconds 
um, and, and, and try to do better and try to get a feeling of success. Uh, that's something where, where people very quickly churn, uh, if they constantly die and then sit, you know, for the, for the remaining, uh, mm. one minute 20 of the round and, and, and spectate, um, their, their, their fellow players. So from that, they can learn from that. They can get, uh, a, a success. Something else that we're doing are prophecies. So let's say I'm playing with Robbie and, uh, I die, uh, and I can suddenly then, uh, start to 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 do an in-game prophecy of whether uh, Robbie's going to clutch, whether he's going to do um, a headshot with a pistol. So I'm suddenly engaged also in in Robbie's uh, gameplay and, and, and not just uh, logging off uh, mentally and, and checking my phone. I see. Okay. So this is your, this would be your teammate, right? So it's a kind of a way to kind yeah. of do that sort of like Twitch virality, take the streaming mentality of me as an audience member of Twitch being like, oh, do I think XQC is going to do this? And like bringing that into the game for your own teammates. That's exactly. what the prophecy is. Oh, very cool. Okay. All right. So let's run through this gambit. Um, PVP or PVE? PVP. Uh, flat or hero based? Flat. Team based or single player? Team based. Squad size? Two to five, but uh, I think, well, two in the sort of wingman mode, uh, casual, uh, nonstop mode, and, and five in the, in the full-on competitive. Okay. Uh, first or third person or isometric? Certainly first. Uh, we think that uh, the players are looking for a higher ceiling. Okay. Um, subgenre description. So, like... Competitive or tactical shooter. Tact shooter. Okay. Uh, art style. Um, futuristic, but with uh, high readability. Okay, but like contemporary war, like sci-fi, ancient war. S- slightly, slightly sci-fi. So, okay. um, you know, yeah. Uh, downtime. We already know the answer to engine. Uh, UE five. Very nice. Uh, platform PC and console, right? Well, uh, PC, PC to start, start out with, and, okay. and, and we'll certainly look to go to console, but uh, let's, let's have success on PC first. Makes sense. Um, and then uh, approximate like TTK, like tightness, fast, medium, slow. Uh, pretty fast. Okay. All right. So, so close people, to people are going to be dead a lot. That's why you have to need the prophecies because people are spending exactly. half the game prophesizing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So this was super helpful. Thank you guys for uh, giving an overview of your guys's uh, the games of Indus and of um, is Scattershot would be the studio and the name of the game right now. All right. It is uh, um, Athena. Oh, Athena. Okay. Okay. So yep. Athena. Sorry, and I should have said that earlier. Oh, no problem. Um, so now let's take a little bit of a double click and maybe let's let's bounce back to to Robbie here. Um, you're building Indus, right? And it actually holds an, a fairly outsized grip on the shooter downloads. Like 23% of shooter downloads are India. Um, Free Fire being the highest, and we all know how popular BGMI is in India. I actually learned that it is the highest average time spent per user in 2022, and it also had a D180 of 17%, which is freaking insane. Because <laughs> like most people are aspiring for D30 of 20. <laughs> so... Um, those are some pretty hard numbers to compete with. Um, and you guys are in beta, so ostensibly you're out there finding product market fit. What has been the attraction in, in the India market like for Indus? And where have your players been sort of coming from? Well, see, what we, what we spend a lot of time understanding is just talking to players. Uh, and we thought that you know, both Free Fire and BGMI have 
you know, an equal sized audience. We went and asked what the, we asked the Free Fire user, what would he really want inside of it? We asked the VGMI user what they would really want inside of it. Uh, you know, so what, on one side, Free Fire is really popular because of its accessibility. It really, it literally runs on all kinds of hardware, but it doesn't have a very high skill ceiling. On mm-hmm. the other side, you know, BGMI has a, a very high or a decent skill ceiling, uh, but it might not run on certain hardware. Uh, you know, it might not kind of, you know, service the entire market. Mm-hmm. Uh, India is a very fragmented Android market. Uh, you have various low-end devices as well. Uh, so, you know, if you took the best of both and combine that, that's really the India's wish list to start with. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when you think about it, you know, when you have 350 million players in India spending that amount of time downloading that many games in India, uh, what we learned from history, and, you know, I would just say that, you know, India is a very nascent gaming market. Uh, we think that, you know, what MMOs did in China, shooters did it for India in terms of building the gaming market. Uh, mm-hmm. And we learned from the lessons that we saw the Chinese market evolve from, uh, which is, you know, Earlier, you you always had foreign-made games that dominated the market, but then there were local games that kind of came in and dominated that market. Everything was built for mythology, especially like you know, fantasy westward journey. Uh, that entire that entire mythology kind of took took into something that people understood. Uh, so when you write from you know our theme and our chosen name of Indus, uh, that's a chapter in every child's school book in India and the Indian subcontinent. There's 1.5 billion people that know the story of Indus. Uh, what we added, you know, apart from, you know, what a good shooter needs to have, which is the autonomy layer, the mastery layer, was really this entire layer of relatedness, uh, of taking a story that you've heard of, which is Indus, uh, probably don't know enough of and say that, hey, what if the Indus Valley civilization didn't really die? It flew off to a distant galaxy and you're now discovering this galaxy in the year 2500. Much like what the movie Black Panther did with Afrofuturism, that's really the Indo-Futurism element that Indus brought inside of a game. Uh, and the moment, and this is not the first story that we wrote around the game, but the moment we did that, we found massive appeal. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's really what we've continued to build over the last three years uh, and continue to go down that that depth in terms of saying that what do players really want? You know, hey, do they really want the crawl gameplay, the snake gameplay, the low, t- the, you know, uh, the very low TTKs surviving through it and just winning? Or do they want a faster gameplay? What are all the shooter genres evolving into? be it extraction, be it looter shooter, uh, what would spectators like to see? How would creators like to tell that story? Those are all layers that we kind of built inside of a game in this three-year journey. Yeah, so it sounds like basically that your one of your biggest value propositions is just telling a story and using an art style that's never really been seen before, right? I mean, if I look at Free Fire and I look at um, uh, BGMI, right? Like BGMI, like is, I mean, so many games look like that. And um, even with Free Fire, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's cartoony-ish, but it's not, it doesn't have that kind of like special flair that you're talking about with the Indo, what did you call it? Indo-futurism. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, I think, obviously like a huge, so it's, it's literally like an optical um, value proposition on top of the fact that you're trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I build this type of game on, that runs on low spec hardware um, to service this to like a large number of consumers? Um, and I'll ask you about monetization later on the podcast, but I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how you guys are actually doing that. Because ostensibly, right, like if a free fire was like, oh, I just want to level up like my my hardware, I could do that. Is it just because those games were built so long ago and they just, it's like they have so much tech debt, they can't do it? Or are you guys doing something very specifically with how you're building your game that kind of offsets a lot of the headwinds that you guys are facing on like um, internet connectivity, et cetera? 
I think, uh, you know, when we kind of specifically looked at the problems inside of India, uh, India is obviously the cheapest internet market in the whole world, but it's also the, the most congested. Uh, mm. And so a lot of other games, and you know, India only plays on a mobile network, you know, 92% of all gameplay is happening on a mobile network. Uh, the one thing that's missing and why you're not able to enjoy playing a game, even on decent hardware and, and a good internet connection is latency. Uh, mm. So most games like a Free Fire, like a like a PUBG, all of these games will require you to keep that latency under 100, 150 milliseconds. Uh, but what we noticed from just running a number of games is that the average latency that we were seeing, which would keep coming up, would be about 200, 250. Uh, so we designed our game to support that large latency to ensure that people still had the skill ceiling, uh, were still able to express themselves, still play a great game uh, without seeing that lag. Uh, mm. designing it for devices that don't really have a GPU uh, kind of is something that we built into our engine from day zero. Uh, right. So we started with that advantage of knowing what our hardware looks like before we kind of built our game and designed it continuously, every part of it, whether the environment's being modular, the way that the gameplay was kind of put together. All of these pieces are kind of something that we designed from zero to disrupt this entire market. And so that's, again, obviously why you're building a proprietary engine, Good. because you Good. felt that you, the engine is what's giving you the capability to do this. And you're luckily avoiding the Unity kerfuffle. So <laughs> unintended, <laughs> huge, huge tailwind for you guys. Um, every other shooter is building in Unity. So, um, you know, you'll, you'll be ahead of the game soon. Uh, okay, very cool. Um, and so I actually would love to know, I know that we talked a little bit about India, but there's another mobile shooter out there that's just so big, um, and Game of Peace, right? And I would love to get your opinions on what you think this game does really well and like what sort of things you think that if you, if you look to it for any inspiration in any kind of capacity, because it is just like one of the biggest shooters on mobile Correct. in the world. Correct. So I think, I think the one thing is, you know, because you kind of introduced the genre, uh, and it's kind of continuously updated the genre. I think that's really the biggest advantage, you know, first mm -hmm. mover advantage that Game of Peace, PUBG all, has always had. Uh, and we kind of felt like, you know, that's really the the big reason why a lot of people play this. And it's got insane metrics, you know. Uh, but I also think that, you know, the relatedness inside of a Game of Peace is very different. It's not mm -hmm. about the environment. It's not about the shooter. It's about all the friends that you made inside of the game that you essentially spent all of lockdown talking to. Uh, that piece makes you keep coming back, keep coming back and enjoying those moments all over again. Replicating that and starting with that is something new. Uh, and what we what we kind of counted on, on on our side, just to kind of move away from Game of Peace, to kind of build that piece in, is to count on this whole new genre or this whole new slew of new people coming in to play a game. India is a very, very young demographic. Uh, mm. You know, we have about 500 million people under the age of 20. So there's always going to be new players, new players, new players. Uh, and we want to kind of be that generation of players that kind of first played an Indian Indian shooter uh, and kind of built around it. And what we've learned from our streamers, our creators, is that, you know, while a lot of games do content updates, these aren't linear. These could be all over the place. On one side, you're playing dragons. The other side, you're playing dinosaurs. Uh, all of our content is linear. It's kind of thought about from a scratch. It's coming from a lore book. Uh, and mm. that enables our creators to tell a story, to find out why this piece of gun, what this character's background is, what's this piece on the map. Uh, and that's kind of led to better people, better stories, better people watching. Uh, and so so that's kind of, you know, doing all of these things from scratch. I thought that that's really the big difference in how we're kind of, you know, competing against something that's our first mover in this market. See, okay. So the game of peace, strong social systems, but absent. Yeah 
is a lot of the narrative elements and the world building. And so actually another dimension to the art style is the fact that you have this kind of like overlay of story um, that people are also discovering, which is a bit more towards like campaign, right? So it's, you know, you're obviously building a battle royale, but there's some sort of overarching story campaign that you're building in as well. Okay, got it. Very cool. Okay. Um, we're going to come back, like I said before, to the economy piece when we talk about some of the opportunities in the shooter market um, of how to disrupt it. But um, let's switch um, gears a bit and flip to PC. Um, our audience has a good sense of what Project Athena is meant to be, and you're building a, a competitive PvP shooter, so ostensibly you're competing with the following list. Counter-Strike, Valorant, Destiny 2, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, Overwatch, Tarkov, Call of Duty, Battlefield, Half-Light, Fortnite, and some others. These are just some of the top games based by monthly active users <laughs> in 2022 for PC. Um, you're much earlier in development than Robbie, so uh, you know you explained a little bit about your plan innovation over current incumbents. You talked to the esports piece, you talked to the zero downtime state, etc. But if you're telling yourself a story about where your players are coming from and who they are, what games are they going to leave for yours and why, right? Because, yeah. you know, you obviously those are some, some innovations, but they are maybe less tectonic than the entire Battle Royale genre as a whole, which pulled away from team-based shooters um, sure. as a, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so I mean, I think I think the 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 core of this is really, you know, looking, um, you know, looking what is that six seven years, you know, back with uh, uh, with uh, Brandon uh, Player Unknown uh, launching uh, PUBG, and you know, we were all uh, we were all fascinated, even though it was extremely uh, uh, buggy, uh, just very 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 fascinated with 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 this this new uh mechanic uh of of uh, of the shrinking circle and i think that 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 this this generation um this this brought in like a lot of new players onto pc uh who were not playing shooters before mm-hmm. um they're now growing up they are starting uh to look for uh higher skill ceilings you know fortnite's tried it by introducing a first person uh, view, but you know that doesn't change the core movement and, and weapon mechanics and and basically just you know gives you a, a poor uh, uh, um, a viewpoint, a, view, a poor perspective than, 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 the, than the third person view. So right now we, what we can see is that there is a huge amount of, of players who are moving on. Uh, into uh, more competitive, uh, more mature uh, games. They're also leaving uh, Fortnite uh, for the sake of, of, uh, of you know, simply the the uh, the, the art style. Um, right now, they have really uh, two. Well, they have three three places to go. Right, the ones who want to stay with the battle royales but want um, more advanced mechanics, they can go. They go to Apex. Um, the others, they start looking at at um, at the Valorant and Counter Strike. And bar a few countries globally, uh, Denmark, Russia, Ukraine, and Brazil, Counter-Strike is really seen as a boomer game. Uh, 
Uh, it's a game that my generation's been playing. Um, and if you look at CS2 now, um, that's more Counter-Strike for existing Counter-Strike players. You, um, you, when you have an announcement video which, or announcement blog post which talks about adaptive smokes, that's certainly not about you know, onboarding a, a, a new group of, of players. And then we have, uh, we have Valorant, which arguably is doing a pretty successful job in, uh, in bringing in uh, these players. But there is still a lot who don't like the, um, the hero-heavy, the utility-heavy uh, meta uh, of, uh, of Valorant. And that's the sweet spot that we, uh, we want to sit in. Okay, so people who would play CSGO who are younger, who are like, I can't play that old loser boomer game, People yeah. who are like, I don't want to play utility. I don't want to actually like have to like play support or any of these like character-based roles. Like I want to be the DPS all the time. And then the other dimension you said was um sorry, the people that are leaving. Oh, the people who are leaving Fortnite, who are yeah. trying to get like a more excellent and more high skill cap ceiling for Battle Royale as a game mode. That's yeah, what you're exactly. kind of looking for. Okay, interesting. Um and okay, in that there's obviously some challenges that you're going to have with re- recruiting those players, and so your I think I think I know where your questions where your answer is going to be, but you're seemingly leaning on like a robust streaming community to kind of organically grow that over time. Can you walk me through the process of talking to a new streamer um, and telling them like, hey, like don't you shouldn't play CS:GO anymore? you should play this incredibly early prototype of this game, Project Athena, and surely, you know, this will help you rise to the levels of Shroud. <laughs> so tell me yeah. about that pitch. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, I think actually we're starting, we're starting with some of the big streamers rather than, than, than so, some of the young streamers. And, and I think that's a luxury which, uh, which I have from, from having been within the esports industry mm. uh, for, uh, for, for the past years. And, and having established uh, you know, the de facto uh, best CSGO team of all time, uh, Astralis, having created the, the second biggest uh, tournament or, or league uh, blast. So that has given me uh, exposure to to uh, to a bunch of these streamers who you know arguably are uh, often bigger than than the game itself um absolutely and yeah. and 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 i think that the, the the you know also having operated in 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 this um let's say environment where uh where the the game developers basically treat the you know the, the 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 professional teams, the league and tournament operators, and not least the streamers as second-rate citizens, as ones who don't get to be invited into the arena. That's the the opportunity. So you know, if you look at if you look at the streamers today, their opportunity is to monetize on Twitch, um, to get some uh, if they're big enough to get some odd sponsorships uh, here and there. Uh, but it's 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 a derivative of uh, of what really is the, uh, the the core game. So what we're doing is that we're inviting them uh, we're inviting them on board. Um, we're giving them tools to actually manage that that community. Uh, we're doing simple things like um, 
I might not want to uh, match make with uh, with a bunch of, of toxic Russians, um, but with people who, who who share the similar affinity group uh, as me. Whether that is fa- being a fan of Astralis, being a, a fan of a specific streamer, or being uh, within the the gamer girls Copenhagen uh, group, these are the people I want to play with. And 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 other games actually make that incredibly difficult. Just to 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 limit myself um, to to that infinity affinity group, which is really a core part of my identity. So that's what we give them uh, an opportunity uh, to do. Then we also are introducing, and, and I know Robbie's doing some of the the same stuff. We're we're, we're introducing uh, cosmetics which are specific um, to uh, to these uh, streamers. And finally, uh, we are letting um, we're letting um, the tribes, as we call the very big communities start to uh, back each other, sponsor each other as they enter into tournaments and thereby organically be growing uh, an esports community from within where it's not the streamer who has to do every single piece of content, but I, as a uh, member of uh, Gaulis's tribe in Brazil, I start essentially generating content and value uh, to the uh, to the community. So that's the proposition we go to uh, go with to the streamers. Got it. So it's but it's very community driven, which you know this begs to my question. It sounds I don't know if you know if you've been watching anything what like Hundred Thieves is doing like Pete Hawley yep. and um, coincidentally Robbie Johnson um, <laughs> is the CBO, not Robbie John but Robbie Johnson. Um, you know they're building like they've got streamers kind of you, like you in mean the John, John, John Robinson. John Robinson, sorry, John yeah, Robinson. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm too... But anyhow, the, the 100 Thieves team is obviously doing yeah. something a little bit similar where they're onboarding streamers and the sort of commercial-facing gaming community quite early. And they're actually having an impact in game design, right? So it's so where are your streamers playing a role in that? Is the game Scattershots game and the community sort of with the streamers? Or are they also involved in like, the kinds of things they want to see happen in the game. No, no. I mean, cer- certainly, needless to say, we're involving them uh, very early on as as well. But but that doesn't and 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 sure, there's a lot of learnings from that. The same way that you know I can bring in uh, pro Counter Strike players, pro Valorant players to basically uh, validate the mechanics that we've uh, we've built. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's in sort of the formative uh, parts of the game. I think I think the the you know really addressing the bringing on board their communities comes a little bit later. When um, when uh, when we start having the playtest weekends, which are dedicated to uh, very specific uh, streamers, got it. Okay, I see. So it's still a little bit more about like that's what you might that might happen in an early phase, but like that the thesis of Athena is not to just have it be like a streamer created shooter universe. No, well, look. I mean, we speak with we speak with several every single week. Um, mm-hmm. They play it. They 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 comment on it. They uh, they there's certainly been a couple of revelations on uh, on uh, on on that side. Um, but I think that uh, and that's an advantage that we uh, we have. But everybody else could could basically um, I think do the do the same. Actually, taking the hat on and 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 putting ourselves in their place also with regards to. Um, how do I how do I actually 
you know, grow my community within that game. That's the that's the much bigger um, uh, later uh, later innovation. But but I agree, you know, and and I think I think the the uh, the, the the stuff that they are doing at 100 Thieves, or I think uh, potentially to be renamed uh, Sub Studio, is um, is uh, is is super interesting as well. Yeah. Okay, so we've spent some time talking about the what and the challenges with the what, um, with you know specifically building for the PC intense competitive shooter PvP market and the mobile market. But I want to talk a little bit about like the opportunities and the way that um, I'm going to break down this opportunity discussion is into like into four pieces. There's subgenre opportunity. There's economic innovation, which is basically on the distribution side of the business model, demo and geo, um, and mechanics, uh, which is a term that I'm going to encapsulate as like what you can do, which can also be interpreted as features. Some someone in the crowd who's like in design and production is going to be like, you're using your terms the wrong way. Um, but mechanics, right? Um, so let's start with the subgenres of shooters. And there's a bunch of things going on here. It's kind of hard to sort through it all, but there's the battle royales, there's tax shooters, there's extraction shooters, there's PVE shooters, and some of that is also the looter shooter. There's snipers, there's team-based slash hero-based shooters, there's your cover shooters, and those are kind of like some of the game modes or the win condition frameworks of shooters. And then you have who is doing the shooting, so people shooting, mech shooting, vehicle shooting, and then you have what you're shooting at. So you got zombies, you could be shooting at other people. Um, I learned that hunting is very popular. I swear, like, Fishing Clash and Hunting Clash are, like, these sleeper video games. But, like, I don't know anybody that plays Fishing Clash or Hunting Clash, but apparently shooting animals is also very popular. So, in your guys' opinion, of the things that I just mentioned, where do you think the biggest gap is? And this could be, has nothing necessarily to do with what you guys are building. This is more of just, like, a let's talk where the disrupt, where the opportunity to disrupt the shooter market might be within subgenres. I would certainly, I would certainly say that that we, you know what, what what Robbie's doing, which is, uh, you, you know, I, coincidentally, uh, I was actually born in in India as well. I was born in Delhi, so I have a, a you know a deep love uh, for for the subcontinent, and and I think I'm, I, you know, I'm I'm basically shocked that that nobody is addressing uh, one and a half billion uh, uh, players or potential players, and and five hundred million of them, as Robbie said, who are under under twenty. I I think that goes. For um, that goes for for the Indian subcontinent. I think it goes for Southeast Asia, um, and it goes for. I think the last one is probably Latin America, which is which is actually often forgotten as well in in this uh, global uh, in this global perspective. And I think that that you know um, to to Robbie's point also of like making certain that that you you actually work on 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 lower class uh, hardware uh, is is uh, is the biggest thing, and I think I think our industry is at, at large. You know, certainly the the generation I'm from, we were always expecting better and better graphics, right? Um, we're always expecting something more realistic, and you know, we look at our kids. What are they playing? They're playing. We thought Minecraft was bad, but then we look at Roblox, right? And and I think the 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 the, the, the point is, and and this is where we can also see a game like BattleBit do extremely well because it's not focused on this hyper realism or uh you know i have a three and a half thousand euro pc and and like cs2 clocks out at like 200 fps right 210 if i'm if i'm lucky and and i think i think i think those i i cannot really believe that we as an industry keep on uh going down that uh that rabbit hole 
Um, so I think I think you know for me, if if I was to put a uh, a dollar on somebody right now, it would be a, the on the approach that uh, that that, that Robbie and 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 other colleagues are also taking. Um, I also have, you know, just another not to break it down in terms of the technical breakdown that you did in terms of like battle royale, and this genre, that genre. I also think that what's changed with the internet is who's making the game. I thought that's really important that you actually mm-hmm. get to talk to the developer on a day-to-day basis. If you see our YouTube, you'll actually see every member of our studio addressing feedback from the community and saying what he learned from the last playtest and how we fixed it in the next one. That's an animator, an artist, a developer, a network engineer, a graphics programmer, all of that. And I thought that that's really the part that the audience is much more interested in, in terms of like, you know, hey, why mm-hmm. did you make this decision? Why did you not change it? Understand all your frustrations going back from the years of whether it's the tick or the subtick of CS or the Nate system inside of it, everything inside of it. And you couldn't address that directly. I do think that, you know, now developers are much closer to the community and that's true community, but they're actually fixed, but they're actually listening to what you're saying and actually fixing it actively. Uh, I thought that that's also a dominant kind of you know, thing that we're starting to see with creators, not just, you know, people who are kind of influencing the game, but actually the creators of the game themselves are listening actively to their audience. Uh, in, in India, that's never happened before. There's literally no game of this size made in India. Uh, so we see our developers becoming massive stars. Uh, even if they're at an airport, somebody will tap them on their shoulder and tell and ask them when the game is kind of coming up. And I thought that that's really, really important. That was new for us uh, because we'd made a bunch of games before. We hadn't made one of the size and scale. Uh, but we kind of started seeing this because the moment we started talking about who's making the game and why we made those decisions, we got a lot more love from our community. I thought that was one. And I also think that, you know, between these genres, there always be new win conditions. Like, for example, inside of Indus, it's not always last man standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some points of time, uh, our, our mystical element of our game, kind of called Cospium Spawns, uh, and the team that collects it wins. Now, this suddenly breaks all rules in the last second because everybody's breaking covers. Somebody's staying, staying in cover and saying, I'll take out all those people who are trying to collect this Cospium. Uh, we we had this underlying idea, which actually said that, hey, what if Battle Royale is like a pearl diver jumping into an ocean, trying to find mm-hmm. something precious? Uh, and maybe sometimes he comes back with a pearl, but sometimes just comes back with various material inside of it. Uh, and we designed a game around it, not just the shrinking circle, uh, not just last man standing, but also like whoever collects something and brings it back, which is, you know, I would say a, a, a trope or a, or a kind of genre of extraction shooters itself. Uh, so kind of combining these elements kind of made sense for us. Uh, and why I said we are hybrid shooters is that we said that, hey, uh, when you commit to a hero shooter, you essentially are committing to that one shooter and building that that line of your content. You're essentially ignoring 90% of the content that the developer is putting out for you. Uh, mm. We said that what if you could actually build your own hero? You could actually jump in and decide you wanted to augment, uh, depending on different areas, something that you kind of built up continuously inside of the game versus kind of paying for it, which you which is what you would do in a free fire where you're kind of paying for power. Uh, mm-hmm. But you actually have these several augmentations available and you could choose how to augment your, your chosen character. Uh, people love to play the same map over and over again. But what if we had destructible elements? Like, you know, inside of Indus, we have this huge mountain range which actually capture, which actually traps a beast inside of ice. Uh, but in some cases, uh, you know, the beast escapes, uh, it changes the game. That's an event inside of it, but it's not a whole... You see it in Fortnite between seasons. You never see it in 
on a day. That's something that mm. we kind of bought in as a destructible environment. Uh, that's kind of something that we thought were interesting things to kind of bring inside of Battle Royals. We think Battle Royals are five years old. They redefine how to get started uh, with playing a shooter, but mm-hmm. they've not kind of defined the end of it. And we thought that that's really what one needs to build, a smarter Battle Royale. Uh, we have a game director which kind of decides where the circle goes in, decides whether the game needs to be movement-based, loot-based, your or engagement-based. All of it based on who's jumped in, where have they jumped in, what kind of loot they have. Uh, I think these are all interesting ways to kind of make Battle Royals better. Uh, we continue to kind of think about Battle Royals because we thought that it's a great first game. Uh, you know, I, I learned this firsthand when I was thinking about Battle Royals in 2017. Uh, you know, uh, the guys who actually were working on PUBG kind of said this, that, hey, I knew PUBG was going to be hit before I shipped it because my grandmother used to watch it and she understood the game. I thought that that's why they expanded the Indian market because people who are able to watch CSGO, uh, you know, still need to know the game before they can actually appreciate, you know, like even a clutch or even a smoke inside of it. But So if you don't know the game, you can't really watch it. So it's like cricket, American football. Uh, but I thought Battle Royals are more like soccer. Literally anybody can watch it. Uh, and everybody understands what's going on, which is why they expanded that market. So I, I definitely do agree with Nikolai's kind of observation of, hey, Battle has bought a lot of people inside of it. Where they will go depends on who's building for it. And that's really our take as well. Uh, a lot of people came in, they played a Free Fire, they played a PUBG. Uh, where they go in depends on what you're making. Yeah. And I love the idea of like flipping the script of you pointing out like who is building the games, right? And for you guys, the community is being so ingrained in your process. Um, I have like so many questions around like the actual operational status of how you actually manage that, but um, want to make sure that we're, we're staying on, uh, on track because uh, we've, we've only got like 15 minutes. So otherwise I'll be running down the gambit of like, how do you train moderation for all of your employees to make sure that this, and, um, and obviously there's ostensibly always the friction between what the community wants and the fact that like, they are not a fully trained game designer and they actually don't always know what's best. And so how do you kind of manage those expectations? But um, since we're on the topic of demo, you know, uh, Nikolai, we talked about a little bit about subgenres, whether we kind of were like talking about India and and all those kinds of things. Um, Here's just like, going back down the demo innovation, there's here's some facts, right? Like two thirds of shooter gamer, shooter gamers are men as reported by Nuzu. And Nuzu also reports that the more core the gamer, the more likely they are to play shooters and like core gamers basically like, to me, like a personality identity. It's like, I'm goth or I'm a nerd. It's like, I'm a core gamer. Um, and the USA and the UK are the top shooter markets. Um, and China holds the largest, most revenue share of the mobile shooter market with the US in second. And as mentioned, obviously, shooters are popular in India. So here's my take on some of the demo stuff. Um, and you guys maybe can can react. But like, I've never heard a pitch saying, I'm building a shooter for women. And I'm not sure whether or not that actually is a legitimate thing or something that I just made up. But I've heard that for a lot of other genres, right? I'm yeah. building a casual match three for women. Or I am building like a farming sim for women. Um, and I've also not... S- the, the word shooter, because it's so closely associated and concomitant with the word core, don't hear too much about building a casual shooter, like casual, casual. And like in Overwatch, right, we kind of prided ourselves in making the game more accessible to others by having melee combat and other stuff. But like, I think we're really kidding ourselves if we think hearing like overtime and watching like a giant TNT bar like <laughs> go down the top of the screen is casual. So we've spoken. But, but to I some- would actually, I would actually claim that 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 both. Uh, I, I would claim that the battle royales are are mostly casual shooters. 
Um, Interesting. Okay. I, 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 and I think because, I mean, what we certainly see, at least if we look at the data, it was, it, it was a different demographic that came in mm-hmm. than the ones who defined themselves as hardcore gamers and went directly to the shooters, right? Who went to COD or went to Counter-Strike or, 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 or Overwatch. And I think the, uh, I think, I think you're on, on your perspective. Uh, I actually, I actually have the, I actually have the female, um, um, players um, in in our pitch deck and, and and close at heart you know to, to give you an example is is my uh, my niece she's now 20 she loves shooters right but she will never ever turn on the mic uh, neither. In, in never turn the mic setting. on never turn exactly, it on <laughs> right you know and i mean it's it's heartbreaking uh uh for me because you know she gets she gets asked to do you know perform a sexual act or to go back to the kitchen so i think i think this is where this is one of the the the, the core things for to for 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 us also to to um to have the affinity groups, I mentioned before the gamer girls Copenhagen. That these are the people I I, I match make uh, with. I think I think we're you know I think as all other parts of society, which we could speak probably for hours and hours about, we aren't making necessarily progress uh, fast enough. But I think uh, I think it's just from a purely like a, from a business sense, it's stupid not to. Um, and, and then from a, you know, from a societal and moral and so forth sense, it, it, it's obviously an obligation. Um, so, so I think, I think, uh, no, we're, uh, I, I would, I would hate to, to see something which is, um, a shooter for women, but I would like to, um, to be a inclusive, uh, meaning that, that, you know, also you're, you are rewarded for doing stuff, which supports your, um, um, your team, your community and, um, and, 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 uh, and B, you know, make it, uh, make it into a safe environment. So I think I think these are, are are some of the things that we can we can do. But I I think you know every time I I not every time but most of the time when I when I speak with um uh, with female uh, uh, players who like shooters, it's not because they like something different than uh, what the men do. They just don't like the environment. It's fair, yeah. And I, I, I think I, like I, that's I have, yeah. I have probably two points to kind of talk a little bit about that in terms of how we're seeing it in a different demographic. Uh, you know. India is a very young demographic. Uh, you know, obviously, our women are kind of coming out now and being more assertive about it. Uh, we've kind of thought about this whole answer slightly differently. Uh, if you see our content inside of the game, I, I want to address both parts of it. You said casual shooter and you said women. I think both of these are different answers potentially. Uh, but I, I thought that you know what the first thing that we did was to kind of think a little bit about like you know hey what did a game like Brawl Stars do? It kind of took a MOBA and made it casual. You know I thought that that was a really well done and taught people how to play a MOBA. People in India don't play MOBAs but they play Brawl Stars. Uh, we kind of did the same thing. Our game is called Battle Stars, but it's a shooter made casual. So you know isometric. A lot of people are playing top down. Uh, makes it easy. People get the mechanics. Plays from a different audience. So so that's kind of something that we did. Now, the next portion uh, that we kind of also did to kind of address our core gamer, like I, I do agree with Nikolai also, when, we, when somebody tells me that you're making a battle royale, we say, yes, we're making a mid-core shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the content that we did inside of it, uh, you know, all the celebrities that we have, have inside of the game, uh, a number one celebrity inside of it is actually a, a woman shooter, a really famous real-life shooter called Hina Sidhu. Uh, you know, and she kind of broke all demographics, you know. From, like, a, way, a, like an Olympic shooter. That's the... Uh, an uh, Olympic shooter, yeah. Yes. An <laughs> Olympic shooter, a uh, world champion, uh, who grew up 
shooting guns, uh, playing Call of Duty, uh, and is a world champion of shooting, like holds a Guinness record of shooting as well. And she's our first celebrity character in Save the Game. Uh, you know, and that's kind of uh, that's super that we, cool. So, so that that's really kind of cool. <laughs> that's kind of something that we kind of did to kind of change the demographic to kind of think about okay, uh, women play, and you know, we have a video coming out that we shot last Friday where all of the women players in our team, all all of our women developers in our team, went out shooting in a shooting range, uh, and you know, kind of learned more about guns from from her from her as part of it. Uh, you know, and that's something that I thought is also how you treat your content. You don't, you know, over-sexualize it, you know, which is really what you see in a lot of games. Uh, you oh, know, the sure. woman is not embodied in terms of a powerful character. Uh, we kind of change that demographic instead of a game. So you'll see a lot of us will actually be playing with this female character or this woman character that we have inside of the game uh, because she's truly badass. Uh, and knowing her in real life, that's really something that there is. Also, uh, you know, India has won more shooting gold than any other gold in the Olympics. Uh, so that's kind of something that kind of, you know, is something that we thought was really a, a great way to kind of represent that instead of the game. That's really cool. Um, I love, actually, I love hearing, and then that's why I said, like, it's like, I'm not, you know, I've never heard a pitch saying I'm building a shooter for women, but I actually, like, I don't think that's maybe the right strategy. The right strategy okay. would be like to have your game be just built and accessible to everybody. But okay. I think that, those problems are still incredibly prevalent. Like, I mean, yes. I do not turn the mic on in Overwatch. You do not do that. Um, because the minute somebody hears your voice, it's like, oh, like, why don't you play Mercy? And you're like, well, I don't want to hold left click um, <laughs> because that's boring. <laughs> like, and I also like, sometimes you play bad too. Like, I, I you know what I mean? So right. it's, a, it's, it's a very challenging environment. And so it's like, how can you install structure and community from the very beginning in the organic growth of the game, either in how the characters are represented, right? Like, so having this, um, this female sharpshooter in the game as a real life IRL person or to your point building with uh, I think said like Copenhagen like female like gaming collective or whatever you had mentioned before um, right from the beginning to make sure that like this kind of like standard of behavior is already installed from from the get-go um, so you know really enjoyed hearing about some of those innovations and um, in, in both of your guys's games um, and so really quickly um, before we get to our final question um, would love to quickly touch upon the topic of economic innovation. Um, and there's obviously a couple standard ways that shooters make money. You you sell the box, you like do live ops, you do ads, right? And we all know the fairly tectonic impact that Epic Games had with the release of the Battle Pass in, within Fortnite in 2018. And so how are you both planning for economic innovation in your games and figuring actually these might look quite different between the two of you um, on mobile versus PC? Um, but, you know, maybe, Nikolai, maybe you, you go first. Sure. So, um, look, I think the, the first, the, 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 the most core uh, of our belief is, is that, uh, people are obviously less and less willing to pay for games, but they're more and more willing to pay for identity. Right. And identity is, has like multiple layers. The first level of identity is self-expression. That's those are the skins and cosmetics that I run around with. The second uh, layer of, of identity is belonging. Um, as I said before, am I a fan of, 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 of Astralis or Barcelona or uh, the Olympics and, and, and shooting or a specific streamer? 
Um, and then the, the last part, which is a little bit tricky, is, is, uh, is utility. But utility, and, and, and you know, it sounds very technical, but, but that, is, uh, that is something of like, what do I have access to? Um, and what I have access to might be, be uh, uh, you know, early playtest weekends and, and so forth. So that's, that's really what, uh, that's, that's really how we look at, uh, at monetization on, on our side. What we're doing um, is that we're adapting sort of the, the battle pass into something we call the, the, at least internally right now, the streamer pass, right? So um, let's say that uh, Robbie is the, the biggest streamer in, in India. He ditches Indus and becomes a streamer <laughs> for, uh, uh, for Athena. Um, and, and, uh, and we sell a, a, a streamer pass, which basically uh, gives a couple of things. One, it gives um, access to, uh, to, to uh, cosmetics, which are specific to Robbie, of, and again, of varying levels of, of, uh, of rarity. I can, I can then go ahead and I can flip those on a, on a secondary marketplace if I, if I want. The second thing is this thing of being able to matchmake be on teams only with other fans of Robbie and that's our affinity you know we believe in Robbie and 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 uh, and we always have something to 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 talk about and get get deep about and then the last thing was was this thing that we also uh, drop a, a certain amount of of um, of of, uh, of soft currency which uh, allows me to go and, and back other people from within the community uh, in in tournaments, I can sponsor them in tournaments, and I can potentially get winnings uh, back, and I can use those winnings to uh, to go buy keys to uh, to to open uh, loot crates. So that's like our, that's like the very 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 basic. But all of this mm. is 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 all related to the to the streamer more than it's related to uh, to the game at large. Of course, we have cosmetics, which are, uh, you know, of course, there's going to be the Asimov and, and so forth, um, uh, Asimov skin and, and so forth. But but really, the, the core monetization is around my affinity group or affinity groups. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that to be obviously like Riot and a lot of and even in Overwatch. Right. We did a lot of the over esports like team skins and um like the Atlantic, we did an Atlantic Genji, uh, Atlantic Tracer, and then like a, I forget, like LA Genji or something like that. Um, but nothing like super, super tied around the identity of the streamer themselves. So hopefully you have some good ones and, who are very yeah, popular. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and, 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 and I, and I, but I think also, I mean, I think the point is one thing is I can buy a skin. That's like me buying a jersey in real life, right? Mm-hmm. But, but the, but the, but you know, how do I make certain that I'm, I'm sitting in the same, bar or uh in the same section of the arena as as the fans or i just yeah. meet up with them you know it's the meetups it's the virtual meetups that we that we love um and and which but but where we're brought together based on the affinity uh, of, of belonging to a specific group and then there's the last thing of like really then okay how do i support that group and i think i i think that the, i think that the, the, the stickers the signatures and so forth that's basically that's like uh that is that that that, that is the, the the, the the jersey that is the signature on the jersey and it doesn't it doesn't it makes me feel good about having that but it doesn't really um it doesn't really un, until i have that jersey i'm wearing that jersey uh um together with other people it doesn't really have massive value so that's where mm-hmm. we're that's where we're headed makes sense I, I i want to you know double click on that and kind of add what we've actually done in experiments uh in our other game called battle stars where we had india's biggest youtuber 55 million subs. Um, so essentially, he's a he's a character inside of the game. 
the day we announced it and the game launched, uh, he broke the game essentially because we had about a million people download the game that day. Uh, so essentially, crashed all servers. We had to actually, you know, take the game down for an hour, uh, get the game back up. Uh, conversion was very, very high. Uh, what is Battle Pass? We looked at free to play, and you know, I've been in free to play for a little while, and we thought that, uh, you know, free to play, you know, kind of manifested itself into these patterns of people paying. So people would give you a fixed amount of money every month. Uh, I thought that everybody captured that behavior really well in a Battle Pass. So that's really what a Battle Pass does. It captures mm-hmm. that behavior of people giving you a fixed amount of money every month. Uh, today we kind of see, you know, what we're kind of counting on from an economics perspective. India is a very large DAU market. Forty percent of the world's DAU comes from India, especially in battle royale games. Uh, but the way that we've thought about this market is to kind of think about India is not one country; it's twenty countries. Uh, it's different economic strata, breaking it down to smaller, smaller regions mm-hmm. here or there. Uh, we kind of spent a lot of time thinking about, okay, what will this person pay in this part of town? What, why will he pay this amount of money? What's kind of his identity, you know, in the way that Nikolai's kind of said it. And we realized through these experiments that we we can get a lot of people to pay a small amount of money. And that's how games make money in India. Uh, to give you, you know, just some random you know stats out of India, uh, we think that India is now growing in-app purchases at 40% year over year. You know, that's the largest growth in the world. Uh, We're adding more new payers on Google Pay than the rest of the world combined every month. Uh, And that's combined with, obviously, you know, the economic growth of India. India is the fastest growing economy in the world. Uh, But also the fact that, you know, we have this whole new generation of people who grew up with a mobile phone in their hand. Uh, that's about 10, 12 years. This generation of mobile of people is now in the workforce, which means that they have both a dispos- disposable income as well as time, and they grew up playing game. So they are finding the highest return of investment in terms of entertainment. So it's also mm-hmm. the demographic dividend, so to say, which is leading to growth. Uh, obviously, India has also simplified a number of digital payments. We do 7 billion digital payments through a network called UPI. Uh, which is the cheapest, fastest network in the world that's government-owned. So th- removing the the hurdle for people to kind of pay money, uh, which is, we don't use credit cards. Everybody uses their phone to pay money, for, to pay literally for a cup of tea, which is like a 10-cent payment as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of something that we kind of see there. Uh, and I think that, that's something that you're seeing in the market today. There are over 100 million payers in the Indian market, you know, 450, 400, 450 million gamers, 100 million payers. A lot of this demographic was the older demographic that paid for real money games, gambling, betting, sure. sports. Sure. But the next generation is what's coming online. We're not building for that generation, which doesn't know how to play a game, frankly. Which is why they're kind of more satisfied in kind of, you know, betting. They never grew up playing games. We are building for this next generation of gamers uh, who have their parents paying for a lot of it or have pocket money or are now, you know, in, yes. the, in the workforce kind of paying for a lot of it. And that's really what we've kind of stood by. How the do parents. To, how, how, do you, how do you get people to pay? Figuring out the right prices, but also what's the content that they're paying for? You know, what we thought about inside of Indus is that, you know, if you had the Maharaja's Kohinoor, uh, you know, that's the loot box that you would want to open. Uh, hmm. So you you have to also kind of dress it up the right way. You also have to give people that gratification of doing something inside of a game that's truly made in India, of content that's truly made in India. Uh, and that's really the pieces that we've kind of put, put in inside of the game, right? From YouTubers, creators, uh, real-life celebrities inside of it, or even like what you see on my background is really the Taj. Uh, the Taj is really, the Taj Mahal is India's most recognized monument, so to say. 
but we converted him into a robot instead of our game. Uh, and and you know that's kind of that's kind of the character that you that you pay for as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Now these are things that we've kind of done slightly differently. We think that you know battle passes in India, like all the three four large shooters in India, which make over a hundred million dollars, I think fifty sixty percent of their revenue does come from a battle pass. Uh, you know it still kind of hits. I would say. 10 to 15 cents up down. You know, the, the best game would probably have 40 cent up down, but you know, AR PPU would be about five to seven dollars. Uh, that's kind of the market that you want to kind of think a little bit about, which is not very far away when you think about the scale of India from other markets. Uh, so we definitely, you know, we're not the Japan or the Saudi Arabia in terms of AR PPUs, but we, yep. at the scale that we're at, we think that that's probably the largest gaming opportunity in the world. Yeah, I mean, a ten to fifteen cent Arctos is for for the size of India is fantastic good, um, good. if you can get it there. And I think it's really interesting providing that commentary. Um, because I, as I mentioned last week, we did an episode on the India Blue Gaming Ocean with um Salone Segal from Lumakai Fund and Abbas Shah from Studio Sarah. and we were talking good. about I was like, why is there such a predilection for betting in RMG in India? And it's Basically, the conclusion was this was the first type of game they were introduced to. So when Indians think about what's it like to play video games, it's like in their mind, this is what games are. Just like how for maybe in the US and the West, like you don't pay. Yeah, you don't. An arcade might have been the first thing that you were introduced to. So it's really interesting that there's this shift between your older generation and the younger generation being willing to spend and monetize more like a typical Western gamer, maybe. Okay. Um, so I think I think you know that's also a generation gap, right? You know, a generation of people that grew up without PCs. The mobile phone was their first piece inside of it. Now they were watching television, they were watching cricket, so they knew a lot more about it. For them, being able to you know place a bet on fantasy was much more easier than actually playing a FIFA or or actually playing a real game. Uh, so that's one generation of people who also got access to a mobile phone, had disposable incomes, had credit cards very early. I thought that's a that's sort of like the. The football manager versus FIFA for us yes. who were gaming in the 90s, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's really what we see as fantasy sport, but that's really one section of the market. The other section, that that's probably the tip of the iceberg as far as, you know, and I think that market is trying to constantly call itself gaming, uh, whereas it actually is not gaming, it's probably iGaming. So we are, we are forced to kind of call ourselves a video game company uh, to distinguish ourselves from all real money kind of companies. Uh, we kind of call ourselves a video game company. Yeah, and this also helps you maybe avoid some of the, the gaming the gaming tax, the regulatory tax from the government. Uh, the tax um, is very clear. Like for people on the outside, there's a little bit of gray area in terms of what's real money tax and what's not. Inside of India, everybody knows that everybody hey, knows what's going on. Cash based okay. outcomes, uh, you know, there's there's the tax. You guys are not cash based outcomes. There's no twenty eight percent extra tax inside of it. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's actually very consistent um, because I think from the West, we see all this stuff and we're like, oh my gosh, everybody there is confused. And even in the episode we did last week, they were like, no, it's pretty clear. Everybody knows what's RMG and what's not. So um, very cool. Thank you for sharing those those thoughts. It's really interesting how you guys have begun like your um, sort of like the analysis around the economic innovation with the, with the tests and um, trying to figure out, you know, what people want to buy and what they're interested in buying and kind of habituating that, that behavior with inside your game. Um, I want to move on to our final, like quick question um, as this has been super awesome discussion. Uh, and, uh, but we're, we're running over the, the, the hour here, but some of the, you know, I was looking at Nuzu the other day and there's top mechanics in shooters, right? According to Nuzu, the first one is shooting. 
um, which is a very useful <laughs> analysis. And the second top mechanic is combat. So after that, it starts to get a little bit more interesting, like levels and maps, character customization, classes, faction races, character progression, vehicular control, randomized loot, temporary power-ups. Um, but you know, one of the cool things about shooters, they have been the forefront from a lot of the physical innovation in games or, and in game design. So like push forward combat in Doom, physics game physics-based gameplay in Quake, um, the movement in games like Titanfall um, and like your, or like X-Ray Kill Cam and like Sniper Elite. And there's like so, so, so many more, right? Um, so final question for the both of you. If in Athena or in Indus, you had a generation of games utilizing one feature or mechanic from the game that you're building, what would it be and why? Okay, but, but, but we're, 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 we're doing mechanics very wide Wide, very wide, just yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, <laughs> very wide. So, so exactly, and and I can't put I can't put one word on 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 this mechanic, but but like what I what I what I truly hope here is that, and this is something I speak to other game developers about a lot, is that that you know really understanding and and you know. Robbie spoke about it too, with regards to to uh, um, uh, to sharing the, the the content with the community, uh, bringing in the YouTubers and so forth. Is is understanding that 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 you know that, that the content creators, whether that's a streamer, pro player, pro team, tournament organizer, the people who who operate in the periphery and who are really holding the legacy of, of many of these games, that they're really core to it. They're not a marketing mechanism. They're core to the game itself. Um, and I think that there's so many people who, who still say, oh, yeah, yeah, we are community driven. We are such and such driven, but still don't still basically treat the streamer or pro team or league or whoever else, uh, the person who just uploads a video on, on YouTube, uh, um, considers them marketing. And, and, and that's the thing. I think if there's one mechanism, it's not obviously core to the game, but it's core to how we approach building our game. Um, and, and, and hopefully having a, a you know, a multi-decade, uh, uh, IP, then that's, that's what I hope I can, I can, I can bring to the, to the gaming industry. Awesome. Alex, I'll, 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 I'll answer two, two parts inside of it. Uh, the first part is really the community part. Uh, what we did in our first season where we actually had this famous YouTuber inside of the game as a character, uh, is that we actually made an announcement that the top hundred players get to play in a competition with him at the end of the season. Uh, so we actually brought in a hundred players uh, who were our top top hundred on our leaderboard to come in and play on with him uh, in a famous location inside of Mumbai. Uh, for every one of those players who came to that event, they say that it was life changing for them. Uh, we kind of felt like you know you'll see more games do that over and over again. I don't know whether they whether you know like we have, we've not been able to do it season on season like we're in our third season but we did this only for the first season but we definitely see it doing it at least once a year where we bring in all the famous youtubers and people are and their biggest fans their biggest players are kind of playing with them so i think that's one uh, from a game perspective we have this interesting idea uh, that we're kind of currently working on which is if somebody shoots you down in a game you declare him your nemesis uh, and every time that he jumps inside of a next game you have a chance uh, to kind of jump into that game with him uh, and kind of, Interesting. you know, so, so that's kind of, we think that, you know, with a lot of PVP mechanics, uh, you know, you have people who are, who are, who are on a nemesis leaderboard. You know, Wait, I, I am so, obsessed with this. This will be so funny if it were like, you just follow this one person around. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so so you do you do have you know two way blocking. You can, like declare your friends your nemesis even though they've not done nothing to wrong you. <laughs> Correct. But but you know these are still things that we're tuning. But we do think that you know there's something there. Like you know like I see your reaction inside of it and you're smiling at it. Uh, and we've definitely had that reaction every time that we've tried to simulate this. We don't have it running inside of the game, but this is something that we we think deeply about, and you'll definitely see this inside of Indus. That's very cool. I'm sure that's a matchmaking um, horror show, but um, from the outside <laughs> idea, it sounds awesome. Um, as a, I'm a Good. very big like PvP like league league gamer as well. Like if I could like create if I could nemesis like a certain like jungler or another AD carry, I think that would be such a cool like feature. Um, but that's awesome. Wow, this was yeah. this was really truly well, terrific, since, guys. Since, since Robbie got to save two, I, I I'm I'm All gonna right. I'm gonna one add more. a second one also, which is which are which are the which are the prophecies, which are about the uh, about keeping the engagement. I, it's it's super fun when uh, when 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 you're when you're doing it, and 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 I think that's. But I'm I'm gonna steal the nemesis idea as well. <laughs> yeah well uh let's all go, go tell your like your cto your tech director that you've yes. got to get this done in the matchmaking and they'll just tell you all the reasons why it's impossible probably or something like that exactly but um wow guys what an amazing episode and thank you both for your tremendous insights and i'm super excited to play your games when when they come out um and again robbie i know that yours is um, in, in beta currently um so we usually conclude the episodes by asking you guys to share um uh, some info about yourselves in case that and there are members in the audience who want to work with you, for you, stay up to date on your game. Um, so uh, how can folks get in touch with you if they're interested in reaching out? Uh, so I'm all on the YouTube channel, uh, which is Indus Game. You'll see a lot more about us. And our Twitter is Indus Game. We also have a decent-sized Discord, 40,000 players. Instead of a Discord, come and, come and find us on our Discord, which is Indus Game. Awesome. And I'm on Twitter, uh, Nikolai, N-I-K-O-L-A-J. I also uh, do actually read my, my DMs uh, most of the time. Uh, and uh, Nikolai at scattershot.com or Nick at scattershot.com uh, for ease when you cannot oh. spell my name. <laughs> awesome um, on that note uh, then we'll be concluding big thank you um, guys for coming on uh, thank you to our listeners um, I'll be back in two weeks and feel free to hit me up at alexandra at novic.co if you ever have any questions or comments or concerns and with that we're out thanks guys thank if you enjoyed today's episode, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, or give a five-star review. And if you want to reach out or provide feedback, shoot us a note at podcast at or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Plus, if you want to learn more about what Novik has to offer, make sure to check out our website, www.novik.co. There, you can sign up for the number one games industry newsletter, Novik Digest, or contact us to learn about our wide-ranging consulting and advisory services. Again, that is www.novik.co. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.